Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. Well, there are a lot of big feelings associated with Christmas, aren't there? I bet some of us here today are excited to open presents, perhaps, right? Maybe even, yeah, you're feeling that way. Maybe even feeling impatient for certain things that are coming up today. Maybe some of us are feeling merry. Merry Christmas, right? That's in theory how we're all supposed to be. Then again, maybe some of us are feeling tired. Uh, maybe stressed about things that we still need to get done today. Maybe lonely. Maybe uh, a little nervous about some of the new people we're spending Christmas with or missing some people we won't be with this year. There's lots of different, lots and lots of different things we might feel at Christmas. But I want to invite you this morning to pay attention to two intense feelings that are in our gospel reading this morning in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. Luke tells us that on that first Christmas morning, there was first great fear, great fear, and secondly, great joy, great fear and great joy. Why these two strong feelings in our text? So we'll look at them both in turn, starting with the great fear and working our way to the great joy. So Luke tells us that on the night that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, there were some shepherds out in the surrounding pastures keeping watch over their flock of sheep. Just another ordinary work night for these shepherds, until, all of a sudden, without any warning, out of nowhere, I guess, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And, Luke tells us, they were filled with great fear. The shepherds were filled with great fear, and no wonder, right? The, the angel of the Lord has appeared right before their very eyes, and now the glory of the Lord is visibly shining all around them. These things are shocking enough in themselves, right? But I think the shepherds are afraid not only because of what's happening, but because of what might be about to happen next. An angel of the Lord has appeared to them. The glory of the Lord is shining all around them. Is the Lord himself about to appear next? Is God about to show up to these shepherds? Right? That's not exactly what they were planning for when they left for work that morning. But ready or not, it looks like these guys are dangerously close to meeting their maker. And so they're filled with great fear. I wonder if you would be afraid if you thought you were about to meet God. I think most people would be, and I think we all should be. The Bible tells us very clearly over and over again that because of our sin, it's dangerous for us to be in the presence of the God who is perfect goodness. It's dangerous for us. And even if we've never heard it from God's word, I think most of us sense in our gut that if we suddenly had to face God, 
it might not go that well for us, right? We, we sense that if we suddenly came face to face with our creator and our judge, we might be in trouble. But we don't like to think about that, right? So we sinners have a few different strategies that we use to deal with our fear of meeting God. One favorite strategy is simply to try and avoid him. Try and avoid God. We're afraid to meet him, so we just try not to. We stay away from the places we think he might appear. We try not to talk too much to the people who might make us think about him. And we just pretend he doesn't exist and get on with our day. This is a common strategy, and it seems like it works for a little while, but not for long. Because sooner or later, no matter how hard we try to avoid him, we will all meet God. We will. He didn't appear to judge the world yesterday, but he might tomorrow. We aren't dead yet, but we will be soon. So whether we like it or not, we will all meet God. Here's another favorite strategy of the sinner afraid to meet God. We try and do a bunch of good works, a bunch of good stuff. We know we'll have to face God sometime, so in the meantime, we try to pad our resume with lots of volunteering or whatever, right? Lots of good works. We try and do as many good deeds as possible. And some of us are very good at this. Some of us are really good at it, but none of us is good enough. Because the truth is that even our best works are full of sin. We do good things, but for the wrong reasons. Or we do good things... Outwardly, but inwardly, we remain sinful people. The outside looks good, but in our hearts, we're full of all sorts of hidden evil. No matter how hard we try to do good, no matter how much we manage to distract ourselves from our sin, or hide it from other people, the truth is that none of us is prepared to meet God on our own merit. In the day of God's judgment, none of us can stand based on what we've done. All of us have to meet God. We can't avoid it. And no matter how hard we try, we can't make ourselves ready for it. And so it makes sense that we, like these shepherds, should be filled with great fear at the thought of meeting God. But whatever these terrified shepherds are expecting, something amazingly, wonderfully different happens instead. Because the angel announces, to their surprise, and perhaps to ours, fear not, don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. So what is this good news? What's this news that has the power to transform our reasonable great fear into a reasonable great joy for all people? Here's the news. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. According to the angel, a Savior has been born. Someone who can rescue us out of the mess that we are stuck in as sinners. 
And this Savior is called not only Christ, the anointed one of God, not only that, he's also the Lord. He's God himself. The angel reveals that this newborn child is none other than the Lord God himself, come in human person to save humankind. The angel's good news, in short, is that the Lord himself has become our Savior. We might want to avoid God, but God in his goodness, in his love for humankind, he doesn't let that happen. Instead, he comes to be with us, to meet us, in a different way than we or these shepherds could ever have imagined. And so the angel sends the shepherds into Bethlehem to go and meet their newborn Savior. And when they get there, here's how Luke describes it in verse 16. Here's what Luke says. They went in haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. The baby lying in a manger. That's it. That's all there is to say about this scene. When the Lord God came into this world, that's what it looked like. Like a normal human baby lying in an animal's food trough, a manger. Remember, this child is the very same Lord who has this great big heavenly host of angels at his command. He's the same Lord whose brilliant glory was shining all around just a moment ago when they were in the field. But now he appears without his heavenly host, without his glory. There's no angels sitting in the rafters of the stable. There's no halo shining around the baby's head. There's no swelling emotional music in the background. It's not like that. There's just the baby lying in a manger. Human, vulnerable, weak, poor. That's how the Lord God, the creator of the world, chose to come and meet us. And somehow it's this rather unimpressive sight that's supposed to bring us great joy. When you find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, this will be a sign for you, the angel said. A sign. It's not just a sign that you found the right baby, it's that too, but it's more than that. It's a sign of who this person is and of why he's come. The baby is lying in a manger, an animal's food trough. Back then, mangers were carved out of stone. So it's bare, hard stone that this baby's lying on. It's not a comfy place. It's not a nice crib. And this is already a sign of what this guy's whole life will be like. Our Savior is not going to have a comfortable, cushy life. He's not going to be supernaturally insulated from suffering. No, he's going to have a hard life and a hard death. Because everyone who is born dies, right? 
when the Son of God chose to come into the world as a true human person, he knew full well that that meant not only coming to be born, but coming to die. He knew full well that he was coming not to live as a prince among men or as some kind of invincible superhero, but humbly to give his innocent life on the cross for the sake of us sinners. And when we see the baby boy wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in the stone manger, we already get a glimpse of where it's all headed. A glimpse of the adult man, grown up, dead, wrapped in his burial shroud, lying in his stone tomb. The way our Savior comes into the world is already a sign of what he has come to do. He has come to suffer and to die for our salvation. When the shepherds come and behold the baby lying in the manger, they're meeting God face to face. It's none other than God himself that they're looking at in that manger. It's the very thing they were terrified of at first, right? Meeting God. But the way in which the Lord has come to meet them is assigned to them. It tells them that he has not come to destroy them. No, he has come to save them, even by giving his life for them and for us. We will all meet God as our judge. But before that happens, God, in his graciousness, in his love for us, has come to meet us as our Savior. He has come to do for us the thing that we cannot do for ourselves, no matter how hard we try, to make us ready for that meeting. To take away our sins by taking them on himself at the cross. To give us his own perfect merit so that we can stand in his presence and live with him forever in love. Living with God in his perfect love forever. This is the great joy, the great joy for which God created us in the first place, the great joy for which he gave himself up to suffering as a human and on the cross especially, the great joy which the angels announced to the shepherds, which they were so excited to announce that day, and which God announces to us here again today. One day we will all behold Jesus. We will see him in his glory, with his angels round about him. That will be a day of great fear for those still trying to avoid God or trying to stand on their own merit. But for all who receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, who stand in his presence not on our own merit, but as sinners saved by his grace, that will be the day of greatest joy when we see our Savior, our God of perfect love, face to face. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming into this world humbly, 
giving your life for us. We thank you that by your incarnation, your death, and your resurrection, we have peace with God. We can come into your presence and we can look forward to living with you forever. And so with the angels of heaven, with these shepherds, with all your faithful people in all times and all places, we praise you and glorify you, Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.